I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys and welcome to Adulting. This is the podcast where we try to figure out what it means to be a grown-up and today I'm joined by one half of Millennial Love, Olivia Petter. Hello! Um, And Livy also happens to be one of my best friends of like over 10 years. Is it over 10 years? I think so because we're 24. How old were we went to prep school? 13. Weren't we 11? No, we were 11. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) That's more than 10 years. Yeah. Long wow. time. I know. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> so we thought we'd talk about today, like dating, relationships and love, because everyone's always asking about this. Obviously, Livy's podcast is about dating. And Livy and I have had the most disparate, loving adventures of, over our lives. Loving adventures. <laughs> yeah, we've had very different experiences yeah. with dating. So like, I think I've had like, maybe like three big relationships starting, like my first proper relationship was from the age of 14. Mm. And it was like really serious. Like I thought I was going to get married. Oh my god! Yeah, it was really <laughs> it intense. It was really wasn't intense. It? It Sorry, was... my brain is a bit slow today. <laughs> we're both slightly hungover. Yeah, no, it was really intense, yeah. wasn't it? How long were you together? I always thought it was like three years, but I'm sure it can't have been that long. God, that is that is long when you're that age, though. When you're 14, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's a, those are really like transformative years to be in a relationship yeah. with someone uh, what's your dating um, history my dating history is basically I have been single for my entire life um, <laughs> um no I have I only really started dating properly in the last year I think I kind of uh, there was a guy at school that kind of screwed me around for ages um and that I think really messes you up when you're that age because when you're 15 16 17 18 the people that you like then I think you like a lot more in intensely than you would as an adult because hormones and you know you're a bit more of a fantasist about it it's the first person you get feelings for it's it seems so much more romantic in your head than it actually is and you just project all these feelings onto that person that aren't necessarily real yeah I think it's also because it's like your first experience of like having a like do you remember having a crush at school oh my god it's like painful yeah it's all consuming and and there's something quite like sadistic about being in that yeah like longing state and you're like oh but it's something really like artistic about this This is (laughs) oh my god I was literally thinking this when I was watching a film with our other friend Bethany the other day and there was a bit where there was like heartbreak and I actually for a split second was like I actually think I like being heartbroken because there's something really romantic about that like despair and like I basically thought to myself I was like that's when you feel alive and I was like what is wrong with me <laughs> I know <laughs> like, what you when mean. you're really sad and like really upset that's when you feel like life is so like real <laughs> yeah because you're like god I'm so tortured but we're really similar in this way because we're both like massive romantics oh my stuff. god yeah but I, I think it's actually really damaging been, <laughs> it's quite damaging for me and it's it's I mean that's why like I never really dated anyone until I you know even through university 
um, which is when most people start dating properly. I had like a few weird flings with people, but you know, like two or three dates and that, that was it. Nothing ever happened. I think our friendship group is actually really evenly split between people like me who start having boyfriends quite early and mm. then people who just never really started dating until like now in the past few years. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think most people in our friendship group, they have had relationships. Yeah. I don't think there's actually that many people. Aside from, I mean, that's why Rachel and I do the podcast. Like we're, you know, she's one year older than I am. Also never been in a relationship. When you, when we were growing up and when you didn't have a boyfriend, did it make you feel a kind of way? Like, were you like, did you want one? Or were you just like, this isn't for me or? No, I mean, the the boys that I liked never, never really seemed to like me back. <laughs> to be completely honest with you. I think if had they liked me back, I probably would have wanted a relationship. But, I mean, I, I screwed my one chance at relationship up with this guy that then screwed me over for four years. Fine, yeah. <laughs> like, that was that was my one shot, and I screwed it up um, by getting with his best friend. Oh, yeah. At a party. <laughs> and and then when I realised, oh, sh- like, can I swear? Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. I really <laughs> like him. And then I remember coming back to school and being like, okay, yeah, I'm actually ready to give this a go. And, like, he really liked me before for, like, you know, six months or something and I was kind of like oh no you know I'm just gonna flirt with you and enjoy the attention and then I got back to school I think for sick form and I was like yeah really like this guy and he started dating someone else yeah that I do remember so vividly and it was it, it crushed me because I mean crushed me more than it should have done um and it really really threw me and and then he continued to mess me around for the duration of his four-year relationship but I think do you know what else with you I think it's so um like what's the word it's because of your personality like, Livy does things so well I don't know anyone that, like works really hard she's like really good at, like you're really good at doing things well so I think when you want something mm. like because it didn't work that killed you whereas I'm quite good at being like oh well yeah no I'm terrible whereas you like you achieve you work really hard and you achieve things and you do you're really like she's really successful and she does things very well so I think like that translates into a relationship so when that didn't work out with him mm. you were just like what the fuck <laughs> I think I failed. Yeah, I'm that's it. I think, I think that's what it is. You have yeah. a really like you really like high achiever. Yeah, but it's 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 affected me even even in relationships now. Like the, so, when I started dating someone uh, in like October last year, only for like mm. three months, and and then when that ended, that was him ending it with me. I was completely devastated because even though I I knew the whole time like you know this isn't really he's not a great guy he's not really treating me very well you were always telling me he's so <laughs> awful and all my friends when it ended they were like well thank god it's ended because had we met him we all would have hated him I know because he treated you like shit um but when that ended I was like oh my god what is wrong with me and I feel like it's such a personal attack and it makes me think what am I lacking what's yeah. not good enough about me and it's and it's awful because no one should ever be made to feel like that but it's just your natural reaction when someone says, I don't want to see you anymore. But You're like, what yeah. have I done? Rejection's awful. But also, I think what it was, we started doing that way younger. So I started going through rejections or getting, like, difficult times or people didn't, at, like, from... 14 but you're doing it now so I actually think it's almost it's almost harder and also when you're little I think you're a bit more resilient like because you've only just started doing the stating thing you've got a whole this is like when Livy wants to do something and I want to be like no you shouldn't do something like, I can't say that because I was the most wild <laughs> child so I have to like hold back and be like no you just have to do it but it's yeah. like what did it when when we were in relationships did it make you feel like you were left out not really no um and because because I never wanted a boyfriend just for the sake of having a yeah. boyfriend I only ever pined for specific people. 
<laughs> <laughs> which makes me sound like a sad little dude. No, that's good. You're not meant to just go out with anyone. In no, <laughs> no, because like I, I don't know. I never. I just no. I didn't really feel left out. And to be honest, I don't really think I was ready. Yeah. I don't think I was emotionally mature enough. I still don't know if I'm emotionally mature enough. To be honest, like I'm seeing a guy now who is a, a bit more into things than I might be and I'm not I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about I it don't think, it's freaking me out I don't think it's that you're not emotionally mature enough I think it's that you are mature when I was this and I got into that relationship I literally used to come and think of like topics that we could speak about because we just weren't like in any way shape or form really that compatible like think about him now mm, and yeah. but, but I was so little I was like oh this is my boyfriend now great and then we just literally stayed together. I loved his mum as well so much that's why I stayed with him do you remember I was like, obsessed with his mum she was mm. such a babe so I like never really broke up with him that wasn't emotional maturity that was immaturity not realizing that I was just with a person like you said in your episode the other day like for the sake of having a relationship yeah Obviously I wouldn't do that now but I think actually what it is now is you're almost so hyper aware of things and because you haven't had a relationship yet you're being like really cautious about it yeah I am cautious but equally I hate it when people tell me oh you've never had a relationship is it because you're too picky yeah because that's that's a really negative comment and it and it shouldn't be a negative thing like to be picky you should be picky well exactly you should be picky but it but it implies that you're being picky on a superficial level like when you say picky it sort of implies that okay I have a checklist they need to be tall they need to have dark hair they need to be funny they need to do this for a living they need to do this and really it's I'm picky about the relationship with the person yeah but I think that could be picky because I think that's you inferring that because obviously you're like if you ask someone what their type is I remember asking Matt what his type was and waiting for him to say like what they look like and he was like loud, opinionated. Do you know what I mean? It's not a type mm, isn't yeah, necessarily true. it's up what you think. But I don't think pickiness is a bad thing. But also maybe it's a um people might be saying that as a deflection of themselves, like other you might make other people feel like mm. the other way around, like shit am I just settling, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. But I I don't know, I guess I've never really felt like I've never really felt peer pressure to do anything. Yeah. To be honest with you. And no, you haven't. Even no. when we used to like run off and smoke at school, no, everyone would get really annoyed at Livy because she wouldn't come. We'd be like, Livy, we'd all be like getting drunk and Indian and like smoking behind bike sheds. And all of our group would go, and Livy just be like, I'm not going to come. No, I kind of <laughs> just do what I want to do, which is, which is good and it's bad. It's really good. Yeah, but it's good and bad because then if someone tries to make me do something I don't want to do, I'm like, no. I'm such a walkover. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, okay, yes, I'll come. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, no, no, I'm not drinking tonight. Like, for example, alcohol. Yeah, it's really, you're very It's good. really true with alcohol. So I will often go out and maybe not drink. And, you know, my friends will be like, why aren't you drinking? That's so weird. And it, like, it brings out an insecurity in them. Yeah. Which I just think is so but bizarre. this is what I used to do. We talked about this, like, not that long ago. But years ago, I'd always do this. I'd try and, like, force Livy to drink with me because I'd be so pissed off that she didn't, like... Why do you not want to drink with me? <laughs> and then I realise now that I'm older, because sometimes I now actually have grown up out of drinking. Don't want to do it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> but what my point is that it's similar to the to the boyfriend thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, all my friends have had boyfriends. I've never felt that I'm necessarily left out or in any way. I just, and you know, I like talking about dating. Obviously, yeah. I have the podcast. I love listening to people and absorbing their, you know, concerns and trying to give them advice because I feel like I know my friends very well and I can give them advice based on you know what I think is best for them it wasn't a loaded question it's more because I feel like I get people messaging me quite a lot being like I've never been in a relationship Mm. what's wrong with me or like people can feel like if you're one in a a group of people that are doing something maybe that doesn't apply to you because as you say you're quite headstrong and you Mm. do what you want to do but I know that a lot of insecurities that I get from girls and women that listen is that like when is there going to be a right time? Why haven't I been the one? And I was just interested to see whether or not you felt like 
No, I have definitely had those feelings. I've had those feelings of, of that's not necessarily about other people though. That's more about me yeah. feeling unwanted. Yeah. And feeling like I've always liked these guys that aren't interested in me. What 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 am I doing wrong? And I don't want to lower my standards. And I don't want to, you know, necessarily go for the guys that maybe like me, but I'm not attracted to. Yeah. I don't want to settle for less just for the sake of it. But I think, you know, for people who are listening that are like, oh God, I've never had a boyfriend. What, what's wrong with me? It it just feed it's just it's it feeds into the general stigma of being single that we spoke about on the podcast yeah. the other day. It's like we are conditioned to think that being single is a problem that needs solving. If you're a woman, if you're a woman, yeah, not if you're. Whereas a man. if you're a man, you're a bachelor and you you know again sleep with whoever you want and yeah. it's fine. Whereas if you're a woman, it's like no, you must find someone and have babies with them. Yeah, and it's it's just ridiculous. But I do think that is that's fading and. I think if you're single and you're happy being single, make the most of the spare time that you've got to just indulge yourself in the hobbies that you like and, and yeah. you know, training, going to the gym, like seeing your friends. Because frankly, if you're in a relationship, even if you're just dating someone, it takes up so much of your time. And the other thing is, I have to say, like, I, it does make me feel like it's like having a pet or a child that you can't just want... What if I just wanted to go... Not that I would do this, but I was thinking, like, if I wasn't on Matt, I would have probably gone travelling this year. Yeah, no, you lo- yeah, you do. You lose, you, you lose so you a sliver of your autonomy. Yeah, yeah, you do when you're in a relationship. And I think that, you know, it's important just to prioritise yourself because, you know, you're not gonna... The truth is, you're not gonna get yourself into a relationship if you're not feeling confident. Yeah. And I think the other thing with relationships and, like, meeting people that people... It's... I think sometimes what happens, I feel like maybe sometimes with you, is that you're, like, so ready to kind of, like... Sometimes I think you just have to experience... I know you've had bad dates and stuff, so maybe not necessarily you, but people feel like they'll know when you know. But actually, I think you just have to kiss lots of different people, date lots of different people. I agree. Because sometimes I've... There was a guy that I dated at uni once, um, but it turned out he was a Jehovah's Witness that it didn't work out. (laughs) I love... I remember that story. (laughs) (laughs) And I really liked him, and he was so not anything about my type but I just really fancied him really and he's like smoked loads of weed and like it's so random like it so wasn't my type but yeah it had to end because um I went around to his house and I was like why don't you have a Christmas tree and it was like really no Christmas not that you would have a Christmas tree either but <laughs> he was like it's because of my religion I was like oh you're Jewish he was like no I'm a Jehovah's Witness and I started laughing and I was like what's your parents like go and knock on people's doors sorry if anyone's Jehovah's Witness listening it's just I'm quite atheist so it just didn't match up and then we started talking about like bread transfusions and I was like would you take one and he said no and I was just like I don't think I can do this <laughs> And then I left. That's so yeah, funny. and we talked about evolution. He was like, "I don't believe in evolution." Really? Yeah, he was like, "That wow. didn't happen." Yeah, but an enriching experience. Really interesting. But it, the point was that like I would never fancy him. He just happened to live with one of my girlfriends from uni, and then I used to go around and I'd like speak to him loads. And mm. after a while, I really fancied him. But if you'd put if you'd put him on a dating app or if you'd put him in a bar, mm. I would never ever have either swiped right or like gone up to speak to him. So it's really interesting how much we presume we know about what we want yeah well that's why dating apps are so problematic because so much so dating apps are obviously a purely aesthetic platform even if you're you know even if you read the bio and you look at the height and all that shit it's still aesthetic because it is a curated profile it's false it's completely artificial that is a person on a screen that is not a real person standing in front of you whose expressions you can interpret whose voice you can hear whose mannerisms you can observe like those are the things that attract you to someone definitely so it's so difficult. Like, there are so many people, I'm sure I've swiped left on dating apps too, who, if I met in real life, I'd find, like, really charming and attractive. 
it's it's really difficult and i've been on dating app dates quite a few of them that have been complete disasters yeah but it's weird because you get on with them so well when you're chatting because obviously when you're chatting just on a phone texting someone that person has the time to consider your message and craft a very witty clever response this is what's so funny so i've actually never really used dating apps there's only like a tiny bit uni and i remember speaking to the guy that i ended up going out with on Oh no, it wasn't even on dating, but it was on Facebook. And I remember I used to write, I've made myself so funny. I wrote the funniest shit I've ever written in my life. I even used to read them back and be like, God, I'm hilarious. (laughs) And then I was like, that's, I'm not, I remember then when we went to go on the date, I was like, fuck, I'm not, I'm going to have to like practice things I'm going to say because I've made it so funny. Like you couldn't talk like that out loud. You wouldn't be just that funny. Mm. I don't think I've ever been that funny since, to be honest. But I'd really, (laughs) I'd really think about it. I really, it was quite, actually it was quite manipulative because I really understood his sense of humour and I really like changed my language Mm. and the way that I spoke to be like that it is though it is manipulative because I think subconsciously you're always trying with dating apps you're always trying to craft the best version of yourself in order to attract that other person and you really have the power to do that on a dating app like you said you can spend ages you know dissecting every message and thinking okay I think he'll find this funny you can't do that in real life no not at all and and it's totally different way of interacting with someone like it's it's not natural even the idea of meeting someone off a dating app it's forced from the beginning yeah and I've had it before I've had I've had maybe one good um dating app story but it ended badly because he he ended up just treating me like crap yeah because he felt validated to do that because we had no ties to one another and I think because of the way that we met he always viewed me as disposable like yeah. when you meet someone on a dating app you can you know you can sleep together you can go on dates whatever ultimately at the end of the day you met this person in an artificial way it's not going to be the same as if they were a mutual friend yeah I literally have a guy friend who would go on dates just because he wanted to eat in different different restaurants so he'd like literally take a girl on a bumble date just because he'd like want someone to go to like really? and it, he was like basically doing it as like a social experiment right do you know what I mean yeah. which is really funny but I think the other problem is with dating and stuff is we think like <clears throat> We're so busy to create this person we think everyone's going to fancy. And, like, that was always my thing that like, I'd want them to fancy me. The guy I'm going out with now, who's also, like, one of Livy's, like, best friends, has known me this almost the same amount of time as Livy. And I was such a shit at school. Like, he knows everything that I've ever done in my whole entire life. Like, all the bad things about me. And he still quite likes me. So we're fine. <laughs> but that really shocks me because I remember I'd meet people and I'd try and think about all the things that they probably wouldn't like about me if they found out or... You know, and actually mm. people aren't that black and white and it's not that simple. And the problem with dating apps and stuff is you present this version of yourself that isn't you at all. So even if they fancy you from that, that's not even who you are. Yeah. So it's like really hard to make it work. And you're never, because you're never going to feel comfortable around that person yeah. because you met them in this weird way when you were behaving not yourself. Like it's just, it's not the good basis for any relationship. But saying that, some of our good friends yeah. are in very good relationships from meeting on dating apps. So there are anomalies to it. It's just... I think it's more and more common now, um, but I think it also really depends how you're coming at it. What t- It's the same with anything in a relationship, though. It's like what point in your life you're in. Because the other thing is, like, you could meet the most perfect person, but if you're not in the right place, it just won't work. I've had relationships work where I thought they were dicks, but actually they were probably dicks, and I wasn't ready to be the right kind of person either. Mm. So, like, it's, it's a really... I think you have to be really fierce... Like, I think you have to be really fiercely independent. Have your whole, like, your personality and yourself ready to have someone add to your life. Yeah, you do, but it's hard to, to you know, I like like you said, I'm a pretty headstrong person. Yeah. The guys I've seen in the past and the guys I've dated have made me feel so small mm. and so bad about myself and feel like, you know, I've been made to feel like I'm chasing after them the entire time and that I will change my personality to 
fit into their mold of the kind of girl that they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, well, I think the other issue is that we're in society, like the kind of men we are normally told to find attractive from films and books and stuff are the bad guys, the sexy guys, the ones with a bit of edge, the ones who... Mm. So we then tend to go for them and then want to change them. I will tell you this for a fact, you can't change anyone. Even even if they're like 18 to 27, you can't. You just can't change someone. Once someone's aware, and they can change themselves if they want to, but there's no, you just, people are just how they are. So there's no point getting with someone and being like, I'm going to make them change. Like you just have to, <clears throat> you have to find the right kind of person for the right reasons. And I think sometimes we date people because they're a projected image of what society has told us is the right person. And you almost know they're going to hurt you because that is exactly what that, kind of person is yeah but that's what you've been conditioned to find attractive exactly because you're like i need you know it's masochistic you chase yeah. after someone that makes you feel like they need to be chased and because also, you're like it's gonna be so much more gratifying yeah. when i get them yeah and also as women we're conditioned to think that like we can't be too vocal because it'll be bossy or we yeah. can't too be too opinionated because they'll get scared off so i think other things you'll find is that women will like mute down their personality to not offend or to make sure that they this guy doesn't run off when actually if you're gonna start dating someone you should be like look this is how i feel about xyz mm. i want this 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 because otherwise you set a precedent and you could be hiding in this like fake personality for like a year and then suddenly you're like oh my god I hate it when you do this or I hate it and you'll have just done yourself a disservice yeah and men I think there was oh, what was that I was listening to maybe it was on the receipts podcast but they're saying how like this guy was on there and they were like people want opinionated women I don't know why we're taught that women are supposed to be like the fairer sex it's such an old trope mm. and like that women are supposed to be docile yeah. I know but it's so true like I, I think I told you this story when I was dating the guy who I met on Bumble um and we were on a date and he was talking about his ex-girlfriend and he was he was quite rude about her and he was like oh yeah you know what she was just a really angry person oh my god yeah and i remember in my head my reaction was like okay don't be angry Libby. don't ever be angry like, how awful so is that bad. but that was the first thing i thought of i was like i took that as like an instruction yeah. when actually first of all he should not have been speaking badly about his ex-girlfriend no. in front of a girl who he's on like what a third date with that's a really bad sign i yeah, think for if sure. someone speaks badly about exes like you know obviously we've all got bad experiences but it's it's your own business at that point, yeah. you know? And, like, don't start slagging off someone. And also, if she's angry, maybe he was making her angry. Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now I'm like, what the hell were you doing to make her angry? I see why she was angry. Yeah. You're an arsehole. Yeah, he is an arsehole. <laughs> but this happened to me. I remember I had an awful ex in my, like, first year of uni, and he told me, always went on about he had a psycho ex-girlfriend. It turned out he was literally, like, the most awful person you've ever met. And I was like... Oh he's the psycho but yeah. I and then I th- I felt so sorry for this girl because in my head I'd imagine he told me these stories and then it just turned out and I've had another friend who had a boyfriend a bit like that and he always went on about the psycho ex-girlfriend and at the end we were like he's the psycho but when people are like that they project it and they it's normally when someone's very narcissistic and like really can't see how toxic their behavior is yeah. and they they perceive other people's reactions to them as like their faults but they don't realize it's a reaction to their actions yeah and how would you know that because you're just exactly. taking what he says at exactly. face value but the psycho ex-girlfriend thing really bothers me because I yeah. think that's such like a sexist trope. Oh, it's isn't so it? bad. No man's ever called a psycho. No, never. Ever. It's really yeah, it's massive. Have you seen that thing? It's so bad. I remember laughing in it like three years ago when I wasn't very woke. So like, <laughs> I wasn't very. It's was, like the hot crazy scale, and no. it's like the hotter they get, the crazier they get, and then it's like a box. So it's like, and it's a guy on a whiteboard, and he's like, so between like a seven and an eight, they're like super hot, but they have to be below the line I can't remember and then it gets like really high in the corner and it's like and at the top we have unicorns they don't exist this video still goes on on Facebook all the time and it's it was a joke but it's like men would literally post it that's ridiculous but it's even like people don't expect everyone's obsessed with that like, Amal Clooney because she's beautiful and a lawyer they're like yeah. I can't believe that she's beautiful and likes fashion yeah. and she's a lawyer meanwhile like 
every single man in the world you would never question no they're that. Looks. yeah whereas it's like oh my god a successful woman who's also like conventionally beautiful yeah wow i remember even at school my our teacher one of our head of years once i got caught smoking i think and he was like um why would you do this you're so pretty and i was like really what's this got to do with anything yeah why would you do this you're so pretty. he was like you're a really beautiful girl and like you've got so like be like you're doing really well in school like you you're that's part of that's part of him like admiring not admiring like congratulating you almost yeah but he should have been like you're a singer you yeah. know like don't smoke not like you're really beautiful as if that was my only worth that i had yeah. at school where i was like in sick form i was like 16 17 God, that's it's so I had two teachers at school telling me that I was pretty when I was in a detention as like a reason as to why I shouldn't misbehave it's like it's some sort of currency yeah exactly like it was a currency yeah. exactly that like girls are pretty and boys are smart yeah which was really bad it's horrific isn't it I think now we notice it but it was massive when we were little yeah well we do notice it but I think it's actually still it still goes on for a lot of people our age just yeah. it doesn't get people are just you know it's so entrenched it's so ingrained you just accept it because I think I used to see stuff as compliments as well and now I find it insulting you said this before though do you remember when what's his face said to you you're really hot and funny and you're really funny and Livy was absolutely fuming she rung me and she was like he said I was hot and funny okay no let me let me explain let me explain so this was the guy that I was seeing for three months who dumped me and this was in like January and when he was dumping me he was like so yeah I just don't think we really have anything in common um but you're really hot and really funny and that was like his sort of way of you know being like yeah trying to you know alleviate the i don't want you but you've got this yeah i don't want you but by the way like well done you're hot and funny and to me all i heard from that was you're not intelligent you're not interesting you're not you know you're not interested in the same things as i am you're inferior to me yeah you're you're super you're these things which are very vapid superficial qualities funny is good yeah, funny's okay, but, but like, you know, I don't want to be, I, I am so much more, like, I feel so much more validated if someone tells me, I think you're so intelligent, yeah, same. or if someone says, that article you wrote was so insightful, Yeah. or, you know, just that kind of stuff, I appreciate so much more than if someone says, oh, you're really hot, Yeah. you're really fun, like, I don't give a, sh- like, maybe you've got a hot shit. privilege, though, because you are really oh, fucking hot, <laughs> so maybe you're like, I know, hot I privilege, <laughs> That's quite funny. I do not have hot privilege, but I just think this guy was just an asshole. Yeah, no, he was an asshole. And was trying to trying to make me feel better about the situation. And it annoyed me that he felt that that would make me feel better about it, because that's almost also an insult. But on the flip side, another thing I was going to say was we were also talking about how guy was like really complimentary towards you, and you were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he said this." And I was like, "Livy, like you should, if you're dating someone, they should make you feel like you're the best person they've ever seen. You should wake up in the morning with like morning breath and look like a mole rat, and they should be like." Oh my god, like a freshly baked loaf of bread. Yeah, so I didn't. People would always say that to me. You would always say that to me. I'm like, that's just not ever going to happen. Like, boys are so mean to me. Boys will never say that to me. Like, I need to, you know, if I wake up in bed with a guy, I'm going to run to the loo and put makeup on before they wake up because yeah. they're going to think I look like crap. But recently, I have been seeing a guy who is very, very complimentary and I can't really take it. <laughs> I'm not used to it. I don't know what to do. It's quite stressful. Yeah. And he's like, you're so you're so cringe and so awkward and stop being so embarrassed. But I just can't take but it. But that's so bad because I think we're conditioned like to think that they're just going to treat us badly. Or like, for instance, when I was in that like quite emotionally abusive relationship, he would kind of make me feel like shit so that the only validation that really mattered was his. Mm. Because it didn't matter what anyone else said. Because he was so kind of rude to me all the time or like tell me like 
maybe you should go to the gym or you could look a bit better if you did this or you should do this have you seen how fit this girl is all the time Jesus. she looks really good all the time and then if he said once in a month like you look pretty that would literally I'd be like <gasps> because he was so mean to me and it didn't matter if my friends were like you look amazing or anything else yeah. but that's I think we're kind of taught to believe that that validation is like something you need to fight for yeah or like it's and that they mean so much whereas if you're quite confident in yourself and you feel happy like they should make you feel even better it shouldn't mm. it should never be like a tug of war and it should also never feel like you don't feel good enough if some if you're in the presence of someone and they make you feel uncomfortable in your skin that is a space that you just shouldn't be in absolutely and Rachel always says this to me she's like you need to be with someone who makes you feel like a priority yeah. not an option yes I have always felt like an option yeah always with every single guy I've dated it has been a case of oh I'm kind of busy this week I could squeeze you in here yeah or like mm, can can you just come to mine or like can you just come to the pub near my house Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Like, never really going above and beyond to make any effort for me. Yeah. And, you know, I... I you, I don't realise that that's a problem because I'm just like, well, this is just how it is. Like, we did, we did this before. I remember once we went for a walk and I got really annoyed about something he said. And you, honestly, for the life of you, like, I don't understand why you're so pissed off at it. I can't really remember what it was. And I was just like, because they should never make you feel like you're just you're like pandering to them mm. or that like you have to change your ways about but the, on the flip side of that, it's a hard thing to do. But it's kind of what I was saying before is you do have to be quite like we're going to do this or you can come to me or just as opinionated and as strong as they are because then they're like, oh, okay. But yeah. if you're like, oh my God, it's fine and then you keep doing that, then after like four weeks and you're going, obviously they're going to expect you to always do what they ask you to do. So it is quite hard, especially in those early stages, especially as a woman because you feel like you want to impress them, you want them to think you're the cool girl who's really chilled and like, oh my God, yeah, let's do whatever, I don't mind. Mm. I'll drink beer. Actually, I like beer now though. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a random segue. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I just feel like I'm really nervous about being sassy with boys, mm. even though I'm sassy with You're everyone so else. So sassy, I'll be like, "Do you want to come to me?" And she's like, "No, it's too far." <laughs> yeah, literally, I'll be like, "There's a party in Clapham. I live in North London." I'll be like, "Nah, can't go. Sorry." <laughs> no, but if honestly, if it was a guy I was dating, yeah. I'd be like, "Yeah, they'd be there. Be there in a second. Good. I'm glad to sing this out loud." <laughs> yeah, no, I have to. I, I think I have to because yeah. like, I'm sure so many other women yeah. do this. It's awful though. You need to. You need to be aware of yourself doing it and catch yourself doing it yes. and be like this isn't okay like this isn't me this isn't be me being true to who I am I don't want a guy to think that I'm just gonna you know drop everything to do what he wants that's not the kind of relationship relationship I would want anyway and do you know what it is you're being true to though it's society's ideal woman which is servile and maternal and kind of like there's always that idea that we're going to look after you and we'll mm. come to you and you poor thing you must have had such a hard day's work and like I even do it with Matt sometimes like I'll be like oh my god you're doing I'll cook for you and I'm like wait a minute I'm gonna work <laughs> but like that's just you know I think yeah. something inside us is very like nurturing and caregiving much more to men than we are with our friends 
Yeah, I know what you mean, actually. I am like that with my friends as well, though, but I'm just really quite smothering. I am too, but, like, um, there was a situation with a guy uh, recently, and he, he, I was dating him, he got quite upset about something, and we were standing outside, and in a group, big group of people, and I could see that he was a bit upset. I just, I just grabbed his hand and just held his hand. I just felt, mm. like, really, like, I feel, like, really yeah. bad for you, but I need to... Do something. Yeah, but we're like surrounded by a group of people, so I can't really do anything. I'm just gonna hold your hand. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just it's interesting because everyone's at such different stages. Like there are I do you know what I still can't get over is people that start dating when they're fourteen and then stay together till they're twenty eight. Do people do that? Yeah, though? they do. And like, I think if I hadn't had more wits about me, I literally could have actually stayed with that guy that I was like just out of pure ease. Mm. And then once you're... I think once you've been in it for like six years, it must be very hard to turn your back. Yeah, but I think that's quite bleak in a way. Because, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because what if you get to a point where you feel too comfortable, you don't fancy them anymore, but you're too comfortable to leave that and situation. I think it's very scary to leave. Yeah, I'm sure it is. If you've, if you've been with them since you're 14, it's all you know. Yeah. Especially if you live with them, you know, you share a mortgage or whatever, like there's all these complicated grown-up things. There's a really interesting thing that Jess Oli said on one of my podcasts recently, and she was like, um, she was like, I'm so different from the girl that I was five years ago, I don't even recognise her anymore, and that's okay. And I think that's so true. I'm not the same person that I was when I was 18 mm. at all. And I think sometimes we think that, you know, why aren't we in relationships or why aren't we doing that? We're growing. There's so much personal growth that happens. Even in the past year, I think I've grown up so much. Like, I even look back at things I said six yeah. months ago, and I'm like, I can't believe I said that. And I think so much happens, especially in your early 20s, that if you aren't in a relationship and you feel like, why aren't I in one? There's, you're probably just doing a hell of a lot of growing, which takes up so much time in of itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think I have grown up. I don't think I... I think I've only really started growing up in terms of relationships in the last year. Like, that really... Sh- but that's what I mean. Everyone does it at different stages. Yeah. So I think I grew up, like, maturity-wise, like, now I'm starting to do a lot of growing in, in a different sense. Whereas maybe I did my relationship growing up younger. And everyone grows up and some people are really good with money management. Some people get really good jobs from 21. Mm. Other people will have the most amazing relationship but won't be in their like stable career till they're 30. I think we all just either prioritise or we just naturally fall into a position where like your your job is one of the coolest ones out of all our friends. She literally writes in the independent which is incredible. She's 24. It's sick. Like I think that's amazing. So like all of us are doing, whereas I've got another friend who's still doing a master's at uni, but she's like, in a, you know, so I think we forget, it's very easy to focus on the things that we don't have mm. and not really look at the bigger picture. Not that you think that, but I'm saying like as a general no, rule. No, but I do. And I, the, the thing, that's why like dating has always been my biggest insecurity because it's the one, it's the one area of my life that I feel like I've never, ever had any success in. Yeah. Whatsoever. Like obviously never having had a relationship, but you know, that's society's definition of success yeah. is having a relationship, but actually... I think now it's more about being comfortable in your own skin and then you attract the right kinds of people. You know that saying that's like, the first thought you have is the one that you're conditioned to have and the mm. second one you have is your opinion. When I imagine success, the immediate thing that pops up, it's really weird, it's actually like a house, a family and like a Labrador. I don't even want a dog. Really? But like without meaning to, like if you say success, I imagine like a big car and a house. Then if I think about what success is, it would be like um, doing something that would be like fundamentally important to society or like changing something positive mm. or doing something that, like something to do with a career that wasn't about money at all but more about like a legacy or do you know what I mean that's, that's what I think actually success is but when I think of success like just without meaning to think about it like subconsciously I imagine like a massive car and a massive house and a dog god mine's so different I just thought I just I was like okay what's my subconscious first thought for success and it's it's like a woman really successful on her own in a high-flying job 
That's no so family, no man, nothing. That's so interesting. What does that say about me? What's your second one? What do you actually think? Uh, what do you consciously want success to be? Consciously, I, th- I don't know if it involves a family either. Mine wasn't about family, mine was about career. Yeah, I think mine would still be career, but maybe maybe less about myself. Maybe more like in a team doing something like uh, of value. Yeah, to, that's what I mean, something valuable. like For society. Yeah, like exactly. Doing something that means, I don't know, something about to do with the environment or something to do yeah, with... Yeah, that's what I think. Maybe like, I mean, I love my job, but something maybe like investigative reporting. And yeah, that's cool. Exposing, you know people who are doing very very bad things yeah I think mine would be something to do like feminism or like helping mm. but yeah mine doesn't my success isn't also it's not money which I think a lot of people fault back on success as money but I don't know if that's because no we're well obviously of- it's not money for me because I'm a journalist if you want <laughs> if you want to make money don't be a journalist <laughs> ladies and gentlemen yeah that is true but then I don't know if also we, we're from a point of privilege where we probably never really t- truly wanted for anything true compared to a lot of people no that's very true so that's think- very true and journalism is a very privileged career yeah it's like the full, people in journalism. yeah the people in i mean it's written about all the time yeah how journalism is like a whitewashed industry it really is and that's because in order to get jobs in journalism you need to do unpaid yeah. work experience and people can't afford to do that people can't afford to do that and people don't live in london quickly back to the women in a high flying career mm. thing question do you think that also like with dating do you think that comes back to like family and stuff I think I have issues with family, yeah. to be completely honest with you, because of my family. Because your parents split up when you were little. My parents split up when I was little. My dad moved to the States, had quite a quite a fractured relationship with him. wouldn't say I have, like, daddy issues in the sense, which is also a term that I have a real yeah, problem with. Yeah, that is awful. Can't bear so that. Bad. I think it's really sexist. Um, but I would say that it has affected my perspective on relationships, because it's just me and my mum. And... And that's it. And yeah. and even even that is fraught sometimes. So a lot of the time I feel like a single unit yeah. in a sense. And that is something that actually gives me quite a lot of sadness quite a lot of the time. But, and, it, and it's bad because I think I sort of instinctively push people away that care about me we talk, sometimes. We talk about this a lot because we're both really like... I, we just have very similar thoughts on like romanticizing mm-hmm. and like just talking about family. We don't mind talking about things. But what's really interesting is Livy and I have had such a similar upbringing. Like we literally went to the same school. We had the same friends. We did the same course at uni. And we have the most different, different um, because it's not opinions. It's like the way that we would deal in a situation is so different. And this is what people I think don't get is like your friends around you could have the most exact upbringing. And like you would get a text and read it in one moment. I would get it and read it, even just mm. small things. And it's so interesting because we actually think the same things, but you don't realize how many environmental factors will affect everything that happens to you whether that's your parents whether it's something you saw at school whether it's watching a friend's relationships your siblings the relationship with your mum the relationship with your dad like all of those things would affect how your friendships relationships and everything else around you work God, yeah I think particularly romantic relationships yeah. with your family because because the first romantic relationship you are exposed to is your parents relationship yeah. and I think if from birth pretty much as it was with me that relationship is instantly not non-existent yeah of course that's going to affect you yeah like of course it will and then you know you see your parents sleeping around when you're a child like that's it's not a normal environment to be in and people really underestimate the impact of coming from a broken home yeah it's really not talked about very much and very few of our friends actually have divorced parents yeah that's true my parents they always argued when younger and me, even me and my sister had to say to my mom recently like me and my sisters used to fight like scream each other my mom like why do you don't we're like we grew up watching you and dad argue yeah so we just did that as well and thought it was normal and i've had to retrain myself to like look at realize that it's 
sometimes I'll react to something how my mum reacts, which isn't always like, I, my mum's the most amazing person ever, but she just has certain ways of reacting to things. And I've had to unlearn her behaviours that I'd picked up. Mm. And I think people don't realise that sometimes you think that's a really normal way to react to something or you, you just, something pisses you off. But actually it's just how you've conditioned to react by your parents' um, kind of years and years of whatever things they've been through, you know? And yeah, of course it's going to impact you. It's so interesting to think yeah. about it like that. And you don't, unless unless you really actively think about it and you stop and take a step out and you're like, okay, well, why am I, why am I behaving like this towards this person in a relationship? And then you think, well, is it because of the way that my mum did this yeah. or the way that my dad did this? And often you can find links, like it's not that but hard. But even thinking about like sex and stuff, because like, I, I had sex with my boyfriend when I was like 16, the first one. But I, that's quite young and I was quite happy to do it. But really? Whereas I think you didn't, maybe because of your, like, mum, you didn't... Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I was I was 18 when I lost my virginity. But I don't think I had sex again until no. I was 21. Yeah. After that. That's a long time. Yeah. Like, I might as well have just waited until I was 21. <laughs> but it's interesting because all of those things, I think people are like, oh my God, there's a set age to do it or there's a re-, And there's always, there's no right or wrong reason to do something, but there will be a reason why you're, you've decided not to do something. So don't, not, don't mm. do or not do it because you think it's right or wrong. No, and also, God, if people call you frigid, tell them to fuck off. Oh my God, at school, they'd be like, are you frigid? I are cannot frigid? bear that. And now I think no one would ever say that because in the sort of post-Weinstein landscape yeah. where things are like conversations around consent are so prominent yeah and thank god that they are someone calling you frigid is just is just like sort of trying to elicit non-consensual sex out of you it's kind of violent yeah it is it is violent it's it's also it's it's emotionally manipulative yeah it's it's almost like gaslighting in a way because it's making you doubt your own your own like you know sexuality and you know it's like oh god am i am i frigid yeah. do i just not want to have sex and it's also, like, no, of course you do you just don't want to have sex with this person and that's yeah. fine oh my god absolutely fine and slut shaming as well is slut shaming at school was so it was so bad, bad. even if you snog someone i remember i'd have snogged someone at a party and i'd be so scared. then i wouldn't tell anyone this so i always get told because i'd keep it a secret and then it would come out like three weeks later which would make it so much worse and they'd be like oh, you snog it whoever's yeah 18th it's awful, but it's still it's still bad. Like in Love Island, when Megan yeah, that said was that awful. She, yeah she'd had sex with what fifty five people or something. Was I it fifty five? And she was all over the tabloids for it, and and it's just like oh my god, sod off! Like this is what I thought she was great. This woman embracing her sexuality does not give a shit. Yeah. Like we never see this on screen. No, she was amazing. So there was a, such a good article that she actually shared that someone wrote about her about why she was like the perfect villain, not actually villain, on but vice. Just, yeah, did yeah, you read it? Yeah. It was so it was good. Really good. I actually listened to a really good episode of Ways to Change the World. You know the Channel Four podcast. Who no. listened to it? And there's a oh, I can't remember the name. She's an 89 year old. What's the dissident? Because they kept saying it, and I just the dissident. A, she's a dissident. A dissident. Yeah, it sounded like um, it just meant that she was like a rebel. Let me find what her name was. I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to butcher this because. Okay, I want to know. Nawal El Sardawi. Uh-huh. She's a revolutionary Egyptian feminist. Feminist. <laughs> and she talks about the injustice of the patriarchy and what inspires her to write and why she thinks democracy doesn't exist. She's like 89, she's on this podcast, and he was like, why do you think that female genital mutilation is a thing? And she was genitally mutilated. And she writes about it a lot really? and campaigns against it. And she was like, the reason is because women and men are designed to be polygamous. To give w- women female genital mutilation is to make sure that the woman is monogamous and the man can be polygamous. That is the whole point of it. And that is how s- society has worked forever because we live in a patriarchy. Women aren't supposed to be... Women have as much sexual desire as men. 
but years ago in countries where they still do female genital mutilation that is so that you don't get those sexual desires or they hope you obviously still get them it's just not you don't get the feeling oh it's painful God. yeah but it happens all the time in lots of um middle eastern countries and stuff and they still do it to young girls like from when they're like five awful so they literally like cut the top of your clit off and that is so because they're so scared of female sexuality but women mm. are men women have just as much sexual pleasure as men and that's a real massive weird issue that we like shame female sexuality as if it's like why would you be at school we'd never talk about like sex in terms of our sexuality never and a lot of women i think are repulsed by their own sexuality yeah and that's why a lot of women actually can't orgasm from sex yeah well they just don't know how their body do you know even when i was talking to anita Mitra, we were talking about putting a menstrual cup in she was mm. like i'll have older women who are like i can't do that they won't touch themselves to put a menstrual cup in. Really? And then like, these are like 50-year-old women. Like it's, it's, because I think years ago as well, especially with like Catholicism and religion and like shame around female sexuality was huge. I think it's, I think also the younger generations, I think like 16, 17, 18 year old girls now are incredible. Yeah, they are. They are. But I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And a lot of that, I think actually is down to popular culture. Mm. I think if you think about film and TV, and you think about how many times you see a woman masturbating yeah. on screen. And we spoke about this. We did an episode about the taboo surrounding female masturbation with Scarlett Curtis a few months ago. It was great. And we spoke to her about it. And there's this scene in Black Swan. Oh, yeah. Where Natalie Portman masturbates. And and it's very much done in a way where she clearly is, like, doing it very sneakily. sneakily. I can't remember. And it doesn't she's very ashamed. Isn't it really and scary, that bit? It is. It's quite dark. I mean, the whole film is, like, a psychological yeah. thriller. But it's very much done in a way that, like, oh, my God, this is so naughty. And this is so... Um, you know, scandalous. and Whereas guys are seen toss themselves off in every episode of The Inbetweeners. Yeah. The hang- like, oh, I don't know if it's on The Hangover, but every TV show that's like a sitcom, there's always a bit where someone gets caught or the kid is like, and everyone finds it really funny. Yeah. It's a very like, oh, what a lol coming of age thing for a guy to do. Whereas for women, it's like embarrassing. And yeah. I remember even when we were younger, if we would speak to people about um, you know, if we, people would have conversations like, I found a dildo under her bed. Oh my God, it's so funny. Oh my God, it would go around the whole school. Yeah. I remember that. I literally can remember it was blue. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So-and-so's daughter. Exactly. And <laughs> I you remember just, that. You just shame. Yeah, shame people so for doing something that is so normal and so natural and so important because if you are not, as a woman... If you're not masturbating, you are not going to have good sex. But oh no, but not only because that, you're not going like, to know what works yeah, for your you body. Don't know your body, and then it also just it gives you much. I think you just need to be in control of your sexuality and what you're comfortable with. That like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. No, absolutely not. But I just think it's about it's about embracing your sexuality and not ever feeling ashamed by yeah. it. Yeah, I think I think it's so important that we realise that our sexuality is ours because I think what happens is when you realise sex is about you, it gives you that control to realise when this isn't for me so I'm not going to do it was when we were younger it was always about the guys so it didn't matter what I was thinking Mm. and I think there's so many situations that I've spoken to friends about where no one's saying it's not consensual because it was and it wasn't rape and it wasn't sexual assault but it also wasn't about wasn't it was just about the fact that you were going to have sex then with this person and that was just something that you did and it was never about your your own experience or you getting your kicks Mm. it was always about the guy it wasn't about like the guy was forcing them into it it was just no one had been taught that sex is is between two people and it should be like a really wonderful I also don't get why it's shameful I think it's it's such a beautiful thing it's like the ultimate culmination of like emotion and love and feeling and it should feel like ecstatic and beautiful and wonderful and also it doesn't look like porn no but there's so many there's so much sexism surrounding sex <laughs> like mm. you know men are supposed to be stoic and emotionally detached and 
you know, sticking in as many girls as they want without ever, got, like, you know, getting feelings. Whereas women, it's like, oh, your body produces oxytocin after you come and you're going to instantly feel more attracted to someone after you sleep with them. That is so not true. That is so not true. And I know from experience that's not true. Like, I don't know. I think I've fallen in love with everyone that I've ever slept with. Really? <laughs> oh, God, I definitely haven't. I definitely haven't. I don't think I've... <laughs> oh no but I don't I don't mean literally fallen in love no I but mean, you've like, always had feelings yeah. for the guys that you slept with so I don't think I have but I think that's me though because I just think I'm like in terms of even talking about relationships again I'm someone who like I'm not quick to fall in love but I'm much more open to it than you are I think yeah well, this, is, I mean? this, this goes back to my family yeah. shit is yeah. what I'm saying like I push I push all that stuff yeah. out I'm very good so at blocking it away so you know what's really interesting is it's like a therapy yeah, session it always is <laughs> <laughs> but even even though you and your mum really get on my parents don't necessarily have like they're, they're together they're fine but they're not like I, they would, I wouldn't look at them and be like oh my god they're so in love but I'm so in love with my mum mm. like so I've always been very talked about love and known like felt love as a very close to home thing whereas I think as much as you love your mum obviously you did like your relationship was hard so that makes complete because I was trying to go like but my parents aren't like like a, it isn't a perfect family home mm. but that's so true now you just said that I think you just have to have an experience of like safety and love mm. like just a feeling that you know that you'll be safe and love oh god yeah there has never my family situation there's never been any stability yeah ever and I think that's where it comes from so I think it's like if you don't feel like you could ever trust another person with you mm. no matter what even in what capacity is even that's your sister or even a teacher just someone gave you that then I think you can be open to falling in love or like trust someone else with your feelings which is a really difficult thing to do to trust someone else to take not to take care of you but like Mm. it's a massive thing to do it's really difficult particularly if you're stuck in a rut and interestingly that the time that I started dating was when I moved out of my mum's flat which was a very, very small, claustrophobic mm. environment. Me, her, and her boyfriend. Great flat, though. I always thought I was going to live there when I was older. <laughs> you did. You always had these weird fantasies about it. But my point is that I never dated anyone there because I don't think I ever felt comfortable. Yeah. I don't think I ever felt like I could be myself. And I was in this, like, quite volatile atmosphere You were very time. much taught like a tra- treated like a child, though. Yeah, and I was, completely. And now I live in my aunt's house where I'm, you know, much more autonomous and feel much more comfortable and that's when I started dating people mm. and I think there's definitely something to be said with that like I feel more free and yeah. I feel like I can actually you know yes there's still those feelings of isolation and being a single unit and whatever and that's always sort of an unfortunate undercurrent for me but I definitely feel way more liberated than I have felt yeah. before I also actually think like what we talked about with family I even you're quite good at talking about it I'm actually quite bad not that honestly my family like love each other but my parents just aren't that like perfect parents and I didn't know this because no one talks no about ones it are. so yeah but I didn't know that so I remember yeah. when I was younger I'd go around to people's houses and be so jealous like why do the parents obviously when your friends are there they're not going to start like arguing about the washing machine or whatever it is <laughs> But I then, it's only now that we've got older and everyone talks about like, um, like we found out like someone's dad, mum's, something's happened like in someone's life or whatever. And you're like, oh fuck, no one's parents are perfect apart from maybe Matt's, which is very annoying. <laughs> I literally had <laughs> a perfect family. Aww. It's so cute. But like you don't, I don't think anyone talks about it now. So everyone's walking around like carrying this baggage from the age of like five. Thinking like, I'm so different. Yeah. My experience is so much worse yeah. than everyone else's. And that obviously exacerbates those feelings. Yeah, no one has a perfect family unit. You'll find this. No. Even your friends that you think have the most perfect lives there'll always be some weird family member or something that's happened in the, in their family that you just can't talk about because I think there's just a lot of shame around 
Because I think it is the ultimate. You know, I think it goes back to God. We've covered so many things. I think, <laughs> I think it goes back to success. I think in our society, in the Western society, a family strong unit. Think about every advert on TV. Mm. Every single aspirational thing is about a perfect family unit. So I think there's a huge shame to admit that it's not working or that it's breaking. So no one talks about it. I think even as a child, you understand that you yeah. can't tell. I wouldn't tell my friends. I was upset. My parents were arguing or something. I wouldn't talk about it. Mm. You know, from a very young age, that that just isn't. That's not anyone else's business. And it's not, but it's, I think it can be very damaging if when you're older you don't try and address things that have happened, however little they are. Yeah, no, I think honestly the most important thing is to talk about talk about it talk about it talk about talk about it like I have been through some shit this year and I have spoken about it to anyone who will listen because (laughs) I want to A reduce the stigma surrounding the things that I've been through and B it helps me more than anything it helps me feel less ashamed it helps me feel less alone and it just gets it off my chest otherwise this is when you know I'm on the tube and it all but weirdly, always cry on the tube. I don't Every know why. Time I see you like just cried on the tube. Yeah, I don't know why. It always so comes sad. out. I feel like I'm bottling stuff in. Christ, I'm getting so. <laughs> I'm so open. This is. I can't believe this is going to go out live. Oh, um, you can take stuff out. <laughs> but it's because like if I'm on the tube, it feels like you bottle stuff up, and then suddenly you're you're surrounded by people. But you it's feel like more alone yeah. than ever because you don't know any of these people. You're in a tiny dark tunnel, quite claustrophobic. And and that's when I'm just stuck. And I'm usually listening to music. Yeah, music's very triggering for me, as yeah. it is for a lot of people. Yeah, and then you just and then it just all comes out. Whereas if you speak to people, it it doesn't. Whereas if you feel like you're bottling stuff up, I mean, for me at least, it just it just comes out like that. You'll just be so surprised when you go to a friend and say like, do you know what? Actually, I think that I'm, I feel like this might have affected me. They, I will hundred times out of hundred, will be like, oh my god, I feel exactly the same yeah, way. And there's just all those things that you think are shameful. Pr- pretty much at least one of your friends in your friendship group would have been through it. Yeah. And even if they haven't, if they're your really good friend, no one is going to judge you. Nothing I've ever said to Livy or Livy's ever said to me, either of us have been like, oh my God, I don't want to be your friend now. No, but that's the most important thing in, in friendship, particularly female friendships, I think, is not being judgmental. Oh yeah, you have to just, you because this thing, I'm, I don't want to be judgmental, but I try and like protect you. And it's not, sometimes you just, you can't, you just can't be judgmental. When we were younger, though, I think we were a lot more judgmental. Yeah, I think we I think were. it's because you're figuring of, out who you are. Yeah, but also because of the school environment. Yeah. I think everyone's a bit judgmental. Everyone's figuring out who they are. Everyone's a bit on edge. And everything anyone did was like almost like a threat. So if someone yeah. did something, everyone's backs would get up. Whereas now that we're older, we're like, oh, well done. Good mm. for you. Like, it should be a celebration. Even if a friend has a one-night stand, be like, great times. I'll take you to the clinic or like whatever it is. You have to be really supportive because women in society are shamed by magazines, media, men, movie, every single thing in the world mm. shames pretty much any action or any rebellious technically action that a woman makes. So within your friendship group, you've got to make sure that you're the one that's like, no, this is fine. Yeah. And go to the clinic, go to the bloody clinic. Yes. Like that's another thing <laughs> that people think is so shameful is STIs yeah. and STDs. And it's just like, nope. It's very normal. It's very healthy. It's very responsible. Go and get tested. Me and Anita talked about this because we used to do it all the time at uni. But I'm like such hypochondriac. I used to order them online all the time. Even yeah, you can order them online, and yeah. they come within like two days. It's very easy. I just would. I just like. I'll just do another one. <laughs> Just, just for fun. But that's like pregnancy tests. I do them all the time just for fun. It's great. I don't know why. Oh my God, that's, that would be so anxiety inducing. I always used to... But I used to stress myself out even if I was on the pill that I'd got pregnant. So I'd like convince the, my boyfriend that I was pregnant and then I'd have to take the pregnancy test and once I took it, I'd get my period because I'd obviously stress myself out <laughs> and it would stop it. So I literally... There was a time where I had to do a pregnancy test to get my period. Oh my God. It's so funny how powerful the mind is. Oh, I remember so powerful. I once took a pregnancy test in a bathroom of a gym and I 
I had worked myself up so much, my whole body yeah. instantly went hot, and I was sweating profusely in this tiny, tiny cubicle. It was not, it was not hot. There was aircon in this changing room, and I just remember I nearly fainted, and I hadn't even taken the test yeah. yet. Oh, no, I think I was waiting for the result. And I nearly fainted. I was like, honestly, it's nuts. I plan exactly what I'm going to say to Matt. And then, do you know what happens? But then I did one the other day, and then a little bit of me, because I had to, after I had the marina call, they'd like, you have to have it like a week after. Okay. A little bit of me was a tiny bit sad. I do not want a child. But I think I just, I just was like, maybe it's going to be positive. And I was like, I wonder what I'll say. I was like, oh, it would be quite cute. And then it wasn't. No and then way. A little bit. I don't want a child at all. I did not want it to be positive. But I think just in that moment, I kind of got a bit confused about what was going on. And then yeah. I felt just a slight, like, oh. That's so funny. It that is so funny. It's like your maternal instinct being like, oh no, this is what I'm, <laughs> I've been born on this earth to do, <laughs> to procreate. So, oh God. weird. Yeah, that's just stressful. I yeah. Like we've covered so many things. Oh my God, we've covered so much. <laughs> I don't even know what the title of this is going to be now. <laughs> I know you live, we just have a catch up. Yeah. I'm both really hungover, had two hours sleep. <laughs> yeah, li- you, I'm literally recording this in my dressing gown. Mm. Livy's had two hours of sleep. I opened the door with a face mask on, Livy's had it like a serial oh my God, killer. She did. <laughs> it's really funny your skin is glowing though, oh, may I say thank you so much I've got to head to a bottomless lunch now actually that's fun I know I can't really be bothered <laughs> I want to go to sleep I'm exhausted <laughs> well thank you so much for listening guys where can we find you Olivia uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter my Twitter is OliviaPetter1 my Instagram is OliviaPetter8 or if you want to listen to my lovely podcast it's Millennial Love Millennial underscore love on Instagram amazing it's great I definitely recommend listening they have lots of tips on dating and different things that affect dating as a millennial it's amazing thank you very enjoyable thank you so much for coming on oh thank you for having me it's been thrilling amazing bye (laughs) bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.